Good morning and welcome to another session of Facebook Live Candidate Question Time. My name's Sarah and in a moment I'm going to be joined by Jason Perry, uh, Managing Director at ASL Recruitment. Uh, he is also a Chartered Fellow of the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development and he's an HR Specialist. So he's the ideal person to answer any questions you may have concerning your rights as a worker. So without any further ado, I'm going to introduce Jason now. Let me see, Jason, are you there? Good morning, Sarah. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Jason. And how are you? Very good, thanks. Very good. Great stuff. Great to hear it. So um, I think we should probably dive in. We've obviously had quite a busy couple of weeks, the last week in particular. Um, minimum wage. Yes. Um, we, you know, we know the minimum wage is going to go up every year at this time of year. But um, this is clearly a bit different because COVID's changed things. Um, and actually, the level of increase has been reviewed probably slightly lower than it would have been. What we're going to see is an increase to £8.91 um, for the national living wage, we should call it, not the minimum wage, the national living wage. And most people would know that's applied for a, a few years now to anyone over the age of 25. There is a big change this year that hasn't been widely reported and is sneaking under the radar. So if this affects you, take note, um, the age bracket has changed. So it's no longer anyone over 25. They've brought it down by two years. So whilst there's a 2.2% increase to people over 25, which is very welcome, if you're 23 or 24, you'll find yourself not just getting what you expected as a little increase, but you'll be going up a bracket in that. So you may now be entitled, so you will now be entitled, I should say, if you're 23 or 24, to that higher rate. It's a big change. It's a big change and it's very good news for a lot of people, particularly at the moment. Do you know, we know there's been a lot of pressure on you know certain groups of the population in this crisis, and the young is one of them. I mean, there's no doubt that that 16 to 24 age group have struggled um, in some ways because of the jobs large numbers of them do, whether or not in hospitality, for example, um, or in retail that have been badly affected. So, yes, this change as the economy starts to come back together, I think is very welcome. And as I say, anyone over 23 will be seeing their wages, the, the band of it going up to the living wage level. So big, big improvement. Big improvement. Okay. And, and actually also coupled with that, it seems like the government is really concentrating on, on the younger um, demographic, if you like. There's been an extension to the traineeship and apprenticeship programs as well, hasn't the, there? Yeah. The, the big change here is, and it, it, it's kind of less about the worker in some senses, but it has a very, very big effect on the worker. What happened previously, or now, up until the end of March, there are incentive payments for employers who take on somebody on one of these apprenticeships. Um, and it's focused towards certain age groups. So there's two payments. Um, one of them is £1,500, which if I recall correctly, is if you take on an apprentice 18 to 24. Um, and there's one of £2,000 if you take on an apprentice I think it's between 16 and 18. What the government have done is they've said, A, they will extend that incentive because right now we need to get people into work and apprenticeships are a really good way 
So A, they will extend it. So that incentive program for employers now runs to the end of September. So we've got an additional six months at the moment. But not only that, they've increased the incentive to £3,000 for the employer. So we should see many more employers saying, actually, apprenticeships are appealing and therefore opening up opportunities to the young. But the final point that's really interesting for employers here is it's regardless of age. So whilst it's predominantly um, the young that are doing these schemes, it's not absolute, what it means is employers aren't looking at it and going, how do I get the person in the £2,000 bracket and trying to pick somebody of a certain age by saying, regardless of age, we've got a much more open approach to that. Okay, so basically that means that somebody who is older than that can actually um, oh, yeah. be put onto an apprenticeship. Uh, so that it, it, if people wanted to retrain at this point, this is an ideal opportunity. Yeah, they, they always could, Sarah. Apprenticeships are open to pretty much any age group. Um, it's actually got more to do with what the level of qualifications you've got. So, for example, you can't go and do, let's say, a level three apprenticeship, um, which is equivalent to an A-level, if you're already degree-level educated. So you, you, that's more the um, restricting factor is your qualifications. But you can go and do an apprenticeship regardless of your age. You can even start one if you're already in employment. You can convert your job to an apprenticeship as part of how to progress within an employer. Um, but it's going to be very, very good for the, that, those demographics that have been badly affected by the crisis. Okay, so that is that is really positive news. So, um, so how does one go about applying? If you are if you're a worker um, and maybe you're out of work or you're trying to reskill, upskill, whatever, where do you go to actually find out more about this? If you're in work, the answer is talk to your employer. Um, ask them about it. Ask them if they've looked at these schemes. Because if you're doing a certain job and you wish to progress. Telling your employer you're keen on promotion and progressing is always a good thing, but talk to them and see if they already have a scheme in place. Um, beyond that, um, you can if you, Google is as good a place as any to search for your local apprenticeship providers and talk to them. But there's also a central government site. Um, we're all familiar with the gov.uk um, site, but if you go gov.uk slash, and I believe it's apply hyphen apprenticeships, that's right, yes, apply-apprenticeships, yeah. yeah. So gov.uk slash apply-apprenticeships, and you will find a list of current ones there. But my best advice is research your local apprenticeship providers and talk to them, because many of them are interested in finding potential candidates who want to do this where they're not yet advertising a specific apprenticeship. It might come in next week, but mm -hmm. if you talk to them and they know you're looking, that can always help. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and uh, oh, th throw my train of thought out there. Um, Do you know, I think if you're coughing, we probably ought to talk about COVID. <laughs> well, I was actually going to go first to unemployment figures because that All right. follows on quite nicely from the fact that we've got the, the new minimum wage. It's affecting a new age group. Um, sorry, the living wage, um, the extension of the traineeships and apprenticeships. And obviously that's opening things up. And there is also good news on the unemployment figures there side is, as well. There is really good news. Now, you know, a lot of people look at unemployment figures and think it's uh, government data and not sure whether or not to believe it. But the data that we follow 
um, comes from the Office for Budget Responsibility. Um, and what they're doing is they're analysing, they, they have a forecast of where they expect unemployment to be. So right now, or as of the beginning of this year, unemployment was sitting at about 5.1%. And we're expecting, sadly, it to go up a bit more. The Office for Budget Responsibility predicted last year that because of COVID, unemployment would peak at 11.9%. Um, that's clearly much worse than it is now, and many people are already feeling it's difficult. Um, what we're now seeing is the Office of Budget Responsibility have dramatically reviewed their figures, and they're suggesting unemployment is going to peak at 6.5%. Now, A, that's only a little bit beyond the 5.1 we're already at, which kind of suggests we are already towards the worst of this. B, really, really reassuring. Many people will remember the financial crash of 2008-9. Um, at that point, unemployment peaked at 8%. So what this is telling us is the OBR now believe this will not be as bad for employment numbers as what we experienced 10 years or so ago was. So that's, again, you know, it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better, but it's incredibly positive. Yes, that's, I mean, it's such a relief, isn't it? Isn't it? And it just, well, considering how awful that crash was mm. and considering how awful last year was, um, yes. it's really amazing that, uh, that the figures are in such good shape. Well, it, the, the OBR data goes a little bit further, Sarah, and actually suggests that next summer, we will have got the British economy back to where it was pre-pandemic. So, you know, by it's kind of two years, if you like. If we say next summer, that will be just over two months since the March 23rd first lockdown. But mm. the idea that by next summer we'll have recovered to the point where when we entered it, again, that isn't looking so frightening for many of us. No. Just have to start paying it all back. <laughs> Absolutely. That may take a little while, I'm afraid. I think it's cost £406 billion. So, um, yeah. Okay, so just uh, uh, time for a, a quick last one, because I think this is going to be uh, quite relevant for people. They, the government has announced that they're going to be introducing um, rapid testing kits for all businesses so that all businesses can have them uh, for their workers. Now, the question is, does this mean that people are going to be forced into taking a test on a regular basis? Okay. Um, the first thing I'd say is some places have already been making moves in this direction. In our own south coast area here, East Sussex County Council have been doing some superb work um, partnering, partnering with the local Chamber of Commerce and Let's Do Business group, where they've been talking to employers already about making lateral flow tests available for employers. So this has already been happening and we're seeing many employers locally already doing it. The question as to whether or not you can be forced to take one, um, it's a difficult one, which we talk about quite widely. Um, and I, you know, right now, I'm at the point where I've got two school-aged children, or one at college, one at school, and we're about to start home testing for them so they can return to school. I gather there are one or two parents out there who are refusing. I'm honestly struggling to understand why someone would refuse to do a lateral flow test. Um, but I guess the answer is you can. Um, employers may start to tighten up on this. It, it's not an invasive procedure. 
it's difficult to understand why, and if an employer ultimately is feeling it is damaging their health and safety processes, they may choose to take action. There's a very interesting case in the last week where a driver in Kent, a lorry driver, lost a tribunal claim for unfair dismissal after he was fired for, for refusing to wear a face mask. Um, and I, I think there's some serious things here. This is serious in terms of its health risk. And if an employer is taking action under health and safety duties to protect its employees, if you're choosing to block that, I'd say you're taking an undue risk and you ought to question why you're choosing to block it. Um, it's, you know, it's not like the vaccine where you say, no, I have a philosophical belief against it or I have a, 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 a fear of needles. Um, the, the, the lateral flow test is not particularly unpleasant. Okay, is the lateral flow test that one? I mean, it's not like the other one where you have to stick a swab up your nose or anything uh, like the that. The lateral flow test is the one that they can do very, very quickly, so you get the results within twenty minutes, half an hour. Um, I believe there is a swab up your nose, but it's not—it's not like the PCR test, which is the one you're thinking of, which is quite unpleasant. Yes, exactly. So, uh, good news is it's a less unpleasant. Um, <laughs> procedure and therefore process really um, and, and therefore people needn't worry so much about it yes great okay well in that case I think we should probably just about leave it there um, unless you have any last things to add Jason no I think we've covered a nice wide range today Sarah fantastic okay well so thank you everybody at home who's joined us uh, today. We will be back in two weeks time with another 15 minute session of a, a roundup of what's been going on. Um, do join us then 10 o'clock every Saturday morning. If you have any questions in the meantime, then get in touch with the ASL team. You can phone them on 01424 452999 or drop them an email at hastings at aslgroup.co.uk. But in the meantime, have a fantastic weekend. Jason, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Sarah. Have a lovely weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Goodbye.